0: Hello, I'm David Sparks, and I'm joined by my co-host, Rosemary Orchard, and this is The Automators, where we talk about how to automate your technology to do your work for you. Hello, Rosemary Orchard.
1: Hello, David. Uh, Shall we we tell the listeners about how the leaves are out to get me, or shall we go back to one of the best guests that we've had on Automators and just talk to him?
0: Well, now you've opened it up. But before we – we'll bring our guest in because our guest has opinions as well. Welcome (laughs) back to the show, Sal Segoyan. Greetings. How are you guys? (laughs) Great. Sal, uh, when we were up in San Francisco for WWDC, Sal showed us a secret project he was working on. And my first question was, A, how did you do that? And to, when can we share this with the automators audience? It was the day we uh, recorded the the famous mousetrap game, and uh, gang, we can now share something with you that is very exciting and special. Sal has combined Mac with iPad to create amazing automation. We're going to talk about it today, but but since Rose raised the specter of her her nemesis, which is apparently leaves. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to you now rose
1: well for everybody who didn't know uh, i broke my ankle at wwdc i was on a scooter i had a leaf the leaf shredded uh i attempted to do a very crazy stunt and ended it with a broken ankle um this time i was leaving work last week there were no scooters involved there were two of my feet and a lot of leaves and i slipped and fell and i've now got two stitches unfortunately but the good news is as of recording they should be coming out tomorrow so uh no no major damage and most importantly none of my technology was damaged which allows me to keep on automating
0: (laughs) i i'm imagining (laughs) in the forum there will be a new thread about shoe recommendations for rose
1: well somebody already suggested that they should buy me a leaf blower so i don't know
0: a a cordless one that can just take with you everywhere you go and just yes. blow leaves in front of you.
1: It's like a jetpack only you know, yeah. not as cool.
0: Except you would go backwards. <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, attach a uh, one of those sweeper brooms, you know, to <laughs> to your belt buckle. So, everywhere you walk, you're just sweeping right in front of you.
1: Well, I mean, let's see if we can automate this any better. Uh suggestions are welcome in the forums. <laughs>
0: Well, Sal, welcome back to the show. Um uh, for the listeners who don't know Sal, he was uh, one of the prime movers behind Apple Script and Auto the Automator at Apple for many years. Uh, he's not with Apple now, which means we get to talk to him and see all the cool automation he's making on the outside and and just as always, welcome back. Thank
2: you so much for having me on your show. I love your podcast and I'm so grateful that uh you guys make such a huge contribution to the automation community. Thank you for that.
0: We uh we we uh, all of us are standing on your shoulders to a certain extent with all the great work you've done over the years and and like you were guest number 1 on this show and the microphone is always available for you when you have something new to show. And today is one of those examples. So um let me just tell you what I saw. As a um, as a friend, uh, when I went over to your house and saw what you were doing, so the listeners can get an idea. And gang, we've got videos, and Sal's got a website, and he's even going to have some downloadable scripts for you, so you're going to be able to do all this at home. But so I'm, I'm over at his house. We're we're playing Mousetrap. And he's like, "Hey, let me show you something. You got a minute?" And I'm like, of course, Sal says, "I want to show you something. I want to see it." Right. Mm-hmm. So we go down into the Bat Cave, and he's got his laptop sitting there. And he, uh, he's got an iPad next to it. And he pushes a button and the iPad lights up with like a control center for the Mac. It's got a rows of applications. It's got rows of setting commands. And he taps something on the glass of his iPad and things start happening on his Mac. And even better, uh, there's a, a button there for Keynote. He taps Keynote. It opens up the Keynote app on the Mac. And then the iPad completely reconfigures itself as a Keynote control panel. So you can see all the things, create a new slide, change a font, whatever you need to do in Keynote, you can do it by tapping a button on your iPad. So how did you do that? (laughs) It's all magic. (laughs) It's contextually sensitive. I mean, it's, it's an, it's an amazingly powerful way to use an iPad with a Mac because, it, you know, when you open Keynote, you get, your iPad turns into the Keynote support device. And then when you open Pages, it turns into the Pages key, uh, support device. And uh, this is something that users can customize. They can lay out the buttons the way they want and they put in the apps the way they want. And, and I, it never occurred to me the way you did it. It's kind of ingenious. So I guess we should start sharing some of the magic tricks.
2: It's all based upon the tremendous work that the accessibility team at Apple has done. Uh, a lot of people are aware of what they do, more so on, on iOS, but if you really dig into the uh, level of integration that they have, it's tremendous amount of, of really high-quality and helpful tools that they've put in place, and one of which is they have something called the Accessibility Keyboard. And using that, it creates a floating panel window that you can position on your Mac. Or in this case, if you're using uh, like a Luna display module, you can position it over on your iPad. And when you tap on the particular keys, they respond. And the nice thing about the accessibility frameworks is the way that they've implemented the ability for you to customize to your needs. And you can create your own accessibility keyboard panels, which are basically just windows with buttons that you assign to have certain functions. And, you know, I was exploring that and exploring using a a lunar display and I was just so thrilled with what I was able to come up with because they put in the ability for a button to run a script, an AppleScript script. And once you have that, then you can take an app like Keynote that's really scriptable and everything becomes possible.
0: Yeah, you've got to really peel this onion because you get to the accessibility pane on your Mac and we're, we're going to be jumping back and forth between mm-hmm. Mac and iPad with this, with this. Discussion, but it, it's driven by the Mac. And but you go to the accessibility panel, and you say, "Show me the accessibility keyboard." And it it puts a keyboard on your screen, which for some folks is the way they need to interact with a keyboard. Um, but the the bit that goes beyond it is you can make custom keyboards in that accessibility panel, and that that's the magic, really. Because what you did, what what he did was he created a custom keyboard. And then you can lay out the buttons any way you want, and it kind of it is very automation friendly because once you create a button, like I can put a button on the screen that says OmniFocus, and then uh, I can make that a button that has the word OmniFocus, or I can I can grab the icon and put it in there as the I- OmniFocus icon. But then that whatever it is, whatever object I put there, it becomes a button. And then using the um, the panel, which is very user friendly. You can tie that button to a variety of different actions. So uh, you can use it to navigate. You can use it to enter text, so it can type text for you. It can open an application, which is how, you know, he had that panel across that the top, like all the different apps. You just tap the app icon and it jumps to the app. You can open the application there. But you can also run system events. Um, you can... You know, you can, they have a thing called Dwell, which I'll have you explain later. But, you know, and most importantly for automation, you can run an Apple script based on that button. So if you can visualize it, you can use this custom keyboard creator to lay out a keyboard full of buttons that you like. Like, I'm going to make one on OmniFocus because mm-hmm. there's all this OmniFocus JavaScript stuff coming out. I'm going to figure out how to do that with this system.
1: Well, I have been playing with that as a cell. And uh it's it's what I really like about this as well is of course, because this is an accessibility keyboard, it's targeted at people who Apple knows have an accessibility issue, which means that we get the advantage of we can set the colors and the font sizes and the font colors for every single button, which means that not only can you make it accessible. So for example, if you have Uh, color blend this or something then you can make sure that these are colors that you can actually differentiate between but it also means that for example my OmniFocus stuff can be various shades of purple whereas my omni outliner stuff could be various shades of yellow Um, just to help me identify which panel i'm on very quickly and i really like that though i'm a little disappointed that you can't have like uh, l car shape buttons you're limited to square and rectangular buttons so i can't have a star trek display Uh, which did make me a little bit sad when i first (laughs) started playing with this
2: Yeah, and then, of course, you can always have images. Uh, I used in my example panel for Keynote, I used a lot of uh, application icons as the buttons. And that makes it really easy to distinguish between uh, the the apps that you want to switch to and uh, some of the kind of functions. I have a button on my example keyboard panel uh, that is for AirDrop. And what it does is a simple thing. It goes to the Finder, opens up a new window, and sets it for AirDrop. And how many times have you wanted to send a file over to the Mac, but you have to go through this process of setting it up to be receiving, and this is now just a simple touch, and it does all of that automatically. And those are the kind of functionality that you can build into your own keyboard. And you can also think about how you design them As far as access, you become your own UI designer with these things. For example, I have a uh, uh, accessibility panel for Keynote. I also have one for other apps like Photos and, and Maps, and I use the same type of configuration idea with each panel. So The top two rows are just for navigating between apps. So the top two rows of buttons are just for navigation. The bottom row of buttons is for certain places in the system preferences app I go to. And that stays the same no matter which app is in the foreground and which panel is now displayed. So I have muscle memory as to how to get around and navigate. And that's just a strategy that you can use when you're creating your own as well and put your main app buttons for the particular frontmost app in the center of the panel where they're easy to get within one hand.
0: Mm -hmm. So let's break some of those down. So the top two rows are your app launchers. Um, How are those constructed?
2: They're used, uh, as you mentioned, when you create a button in the panel editor application. The panel editor application is accessed from the accessibility system preference pane And as it's demonstrated in the instructional video, uh, once you've launched the, the panel editor and you've added a button to your panel, one of the standard actions that's available to you is open or launch an app. And you simply say, that's the action, I want to open an app, and it brings up an app picking dialogue. You pick the app that you want to have it activate, and then that's it. Once the panel has been turned on and it's available, tapping that button will bring that application forward. And the other interesting thing that shows you the quality of the work and thought that they've put into the accessibility frameworks is that you can assign a panel to be visible when a specific application is frontmost. So I can say, I want this panel to be visible when Keynote is the frontmost app or when the Finder is the frontmost app or both of those. So you can have it so that the panels switch automatically as the app changes in the foreground. So if you go from Keynote to Maps, the panel will reflect that and show the controls for Maps. And then, if you use a strategy like I impl- uh, indicated where you have certain rows of buttons that stay the same on each one of the panels, then it becomes really easy to navigate around. I have uh, you know a, f- a row of like twelve different buttons of the apps that I use the most, and I can switch between them instantaneously. The second row is more functionality. And, you know I even have a button for siri a lot of people don't know that there are actually little small apps that you can use to launch mission control and launch siri and launch screen capture and you can use those as apps that you can uh have open for you with a button so if i want to have siri Uh, find me a file on my hard drive, for example, I have a button there with a Siri icon. I just tap that and Siri shows up and I say, you know, find me the presentation states of the United States and it, it will find it and open it for me. So that's the level of integration and possibilities that you have with these accessibility controls. It's a basic concept that once you understand you have button that gets assigned action, and once you make that correlation between the two, then the world's your oyster. You can design what you like.
0: Yeah, and the uh, thing, I, a couple points I'd add to that is number one that you once you understand the contextual sensitivity of them, you can make it respond to whatever app you're working in. So when you're in OmniFocus, your OmniFocus tools show up. When you're in Apple Mail, your Mail tools show up. So, so that like really opens the world up for you. The other thing I would say is, you know, sometimes Apple gets a hard time for software, especially recently. One thing you never hear any complaints about is that accessibility team. They just keep bringing the goods on all the Apple platforms. Um, Like the voice control thing that they just did with the most recent releases is a total game changer for me. I use it every day. Yes. Yes.
1: Uh I just want to go back, Cell, because you said that you have the the same uh buttons at the top and the bottom of each of your panels. Is there a way that you can reference things or are you just creating one master template and then duplicating that?
2: Uh what I did is I created a base template that had uh the, the all of the buttons in the positions that I wanted. And then I populated that with my apps and my functions and my system preferences. And then you just duplicate that, make a copy of it, and then each panel. So I would duplicate it, make the duplicate called Keynote, duplicate that, make the duplicate called Pages, same process. And that way you could have the same buttons on each panel in the same exact position. I found it was easiest to start with creating, what do I want my basic panel to be? So I used a 4 by 3 aspect ratio so that it fills up my iPad Pro. It gives me about oh almost a half inch around the edges so that you can move it out of the way easily if you want to get to underneath. But it basically fills up the iPad Pro and I put the iPad Pro on a slight tilt using the Apple uh, case. and. It's. I find that it's really perfect for I'm at the keyboard on my laptop and I just reach to the right and tap. And I'm finding that the more I use it, the less I actually look. It's just somehow my hand knows where to go.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's really, really useful. It's almost like playing the piano. Once you get rolling with it, you don't have to think about it. Just stuff happens. You put your hand down and, and things happen.
2: Yeah. And the best part is that these are things that you want. You don't have to hope that the developer makes a button to does whatever you like. You do it yourself and it looks the way you want and it's in the position you want. And if you want to change it, you can always add another one. And you can add a button in your panel that will allow you to switch to another panel. So you can have contextual panels or versions of your panel that you can go between. So I could have three different panels that all deal with Keynote, but provide an entirely different set of buttons and and things, and then switch between them, if that's what you want to do.
1: I'm 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 just trying to think of all of the possible implications of this. Hmm, lots of ideas.
0: This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Bottomless. Making reordering coffee based on your consumption easy. Get three months of free shipping in your first bag for just $10 by going to bottomless.com automators. People don't consume the same amount of coffee every day. Sometimes we're on vacation or some days we just need that extra cup. Bottomless takes all of that into account and adjusts to your busy life. It reorders coffee for you based on your exact consumption so it arrives at the perfect time. So how do they do this? Well, Bottomless sends you a smart Wi-Fi scale with your first coffee order at no extra charge. It tracks the weight of your coffee and reorders a new bag to arrive before you run out. The scale lasts for 12 months on a single charge. Just set it up with Wi-Fi once, then put it wherever you store your coffee. Then you never have to worry again. And because Bottomless can predict your consumption ahead of time bottomless can save you time and money by providing you a more convenient and fresh experience at the same price as the grocery store. Bottomless works directly with coffee roasters across the United States, so when you get low, they'll roast specifically for you. To put it simply, with bottomless, you'll pay the same as you do at the grocery store, but it'll be more convenient and fresh. And of course, Bottomless has a special offer for Automators podcast listeners. If you go to Bottomless.com slash Automators, you'll get three months of free shipping and your first bag for just $10. That's right. Three months of free shipping in your first bag for just $10 at Bottomless.com slash Automators. Everybody needs their coffee. Why don't you add some technology, make it easier, get exactly what you need with Bottomless. Head over to Bottomless.com slash Automators to get set up. And thank you, Bottomless, for supporting the automators. You know, something you said earlier about these little apps, like the Siri launching app, I never realized it was there. I I thought, well, he must have found that in some buried folder. No, it's in the root folder of applications. Yeah. I never even knew that was there.
2: They're designed just for this purpose. If you need to be able to launch that because of accessibility issues, there's a little app that will do that for you. And you can then take that and say, hey, that's going to be the app I want to open.
1: Uh, this this is exciting because, of course, as well as opening apps, you know, it, we'll, we'll come to the running scripts and so on in a bit, but you can also have buttons which um, do typing suggestions, which re- replicates mm. the touch bar, if I'm understanding correctly. So on the touch bar, when you're yes. typing, it can come up with typing suggestions, just like iOS. Um, and so for people that, don't have uh, a machine with a, with a touch bar on so for example the new MacBook Air or an iMac or a Mac Mini uh, you can have those typing suggestions that hmm this offers of course even more options if that's something that you want and of course you can only have it show in the certain applications so for example the writing applications but maybe not I don't know Keynote where you rarely need those
2: well, actually, if you uh, you can have one of the actions of a button to be insert text. So if you have something like a copyright notice or something like th- what David does as, as a legal professional, you can have buttons that will insert text in the current text field. You can also have the contents of the current text field show in your panel window and edit it there. And if you use the standard accessibility keyboard, you can input on your iPad into your Mac and then go switch right back to the panel that you're working from.
0: Yeah. On the theme of key presses, you can also do a key press. So any command that's in the application, like, you know, um, was it? I, my fingers note was a command shift D to send an email. I have to look at the keyboard. <laughs> but the uh, th- that's send an email. You can say do a key press command shift D and send an email. Or if you've got a command that's in your menu bar, but doesn't have a keyboard shortcut attached to it, you can use the keyboard preferences pane to create a keyboard shortcut for it. And then you can go ahead and access it through this mechanism. So you can have a button for it on your iPad.
2: Yeah, any keyboard combinations that you want, you can store in as a button on these panels. It's really remarkable the level of detail that they've provided. And if you think about, if we take this example of the Keynote keyboard uh, accessibility panel, it's amazing how much functionality is there. And for example, one of the things I noticed is when I create a slide, I apply a transition to it. Applying a transition, I go tap. I just applied the transition I want, like dissolve. And then I have two columns of time increments. Everything from you know quarter second, half second, three quarters, one second, 1.25, etc. And then I go tap, and I've assigned the time. I can also say whether it's going to be on click or automatically and any kind of delay that I want. So I can set a slide up. I can change its master and assign its transition in about two seconds. It's remarkable. And I don't have to, you know, go through the interface on Keynote and pop this up and do this or whatever. It's just, bip, bip, it's done. I can insert a new slide, change its master, assign a dura- uh, transition and a duration in two seconds.
1: And I just checked, that takes like seven clicks, assuming that you get everything right the first time. Because you tap, you click Add Slide, then you select your slide master. And then yeah. you select Animate. You have to switch to the Animate yeah. tab if you're not already in it. Then you have to choose your transition. Yeah. Then you have to set your transition set um the duration and set your if it's on click or uh automatically that that's a lot of clicks versus a couple of taps and if you set up your defaults right then you which you of course can do with this then maybe you actually don't need any of that because you can have one button that inserts a new slide with your preferred master with your preferred transition done it,
2: exactly what I uh, figured out was my common denominator I had insert slide at current selection or append slide to the end. Mm-hmm. And then I would just do insert and would put a blank and then tap the master I want. And then it's still selected and then hit the, du- the transition, then hit the duration. And you just go pop, 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 and you're done. Of course, like you said, you could take all of that and put that all on one button so yeah. you know if you if you have the Rosemary introduction slide, whoop, it just becomes a button, mm-hmm. and it's so so productive, and I can really see the advantages of of doing this and work taking the time to set this up. It takes time to you know create these panels, figure out the logic behind what you want to do, but once you've done these. It's remarkable how much time it saves you on the computer. And it's interesting I find dynamically that you're doing it between a iOS device or iPad and your Mac. Now, what about Sidecar? I know that's something new in Catalina where they offered the ability to have your iPad become an extension screen for your Mac. So you could say, I want my iPad Pro to sit over here and I'd like to take the you know panels from my Photoshop work and have them show over there. Or I want a screen from this and I want that on there. And so uh, Sidecar has that ability to offer you that. But The problem is, is that Sidecar only allows you to interact with your connected iPad via an Apple pencil or a two finger swipe for navigating a column of data. And unfortunately, they don't support touch. So you can't use your finger as a touch. And that means you can't, you know, hit a button. And I can understand why they limited that because they probably don't want to frustrate people that would want to start using their finger to hit the file menu and trying to navigate all of that. That you know, they're not ready to expose that kind of stuff, so they've disabled it. But it does limit what you can do using Sidecar, and that's why I was so impressed with the folks at Luna Display that they've implemented touch and you can have multi-touch interactions and still do everything else that you wanted to do with the device. I'm really pleased with that and it's been quite responsive and fast.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the wireless connection with the Luna Display—they they used to be a sponsor of Mac Power Users. I don't think they ever sponsored this show, but they
1: have sponsored Automators once or twice. Yes.
0: Okay, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> That's but okay. they but they're they're great folks, and and yeah, it's just another example. You know, these companies get Sherlocked, and they uh, for a lot of them, it just means that they make their product better. I mean, they want it to be. You know, Apple does the basic functionality. With Luna, not only do they have the ability to use Touch on your connected iPad, now they've added a feature where you can connect to Macs using their device, so you can see that they're they're still pushing forward, and I'm I'm glad to hear that.
2: I think they're going to be very pleased with uh, this.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll have to. Have you uh, have you shared this with them? I'm sure they'd, they'd be. Nope. They'd love to this see is it. the this is the first time we're sharing this here. Oh, this is the coming out party for the, uh, yes. the uh, custom accessibility keyboard iPad thing. Yes. Uh, you know, it, it, it's something that I, I just really like the way you laid yours out, probably because of all your years at Apple and exposure to this, but it goes when you're doing the keynote stuff, it just goes left to right. He's He's laid out the user interface interactions in a way where you can tap from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen basically setting up your transitions and then um you just keep going to the right until you you're done. Um it's I think this sample you gave is really excellent even if you're not a keynote user when you're planning these out for the apps that you do use.
2: Yeah. And there are things that you can do from this panel that you can't do in the app itself. It it because it, you're using scripts to talk to the internal keynote application, you can do things that you could not do in the interface. For example, I have a button for panorama, creating a panoramic sequence. So when you have a really wide image and it's on a slide, and you have it set so that it fits in the slide horizontally, right? And then you have this thing. How would you present that? So what the button does is it runs a script that zooms the panoramic image full screen at the left and then pans all the way over to the right and then returns to its original perspective. And it creates a series of four slides to do that, and it does it in about one and a half seconds, which is uh, pretty remarkable because it has to do calculations on the size of the image and the size of the document and it figures the horizontal offset for you automatically. And to do that through the traditional interface would be really, really difficult and time consuming. Yet through this type of panel, wow, it's just like tap. That's what I want. Or sometimes I like to take the titles of images and overlay them on top of the image, you know, and I have a button that just does that. So it will go through every slide and automatically overlay the image title on top of it. Or I often use this one is when I'm working on a presentation, I want to hear these, the presenter notes. I don't want to read them. I want to hear them spoken to me. So I have a button there that will read the presenter notes for the current slide. And the button is designed so that it works whether I'm in edit mode or in presentation mode. So I could be in the middle of a presentation, I'm trying to memorize, and then I go, okay, what did I say? Oh, I'll just hit that button on the iPad, and it will read the presenter notes to me. And there's a corresponding one that does image metadata. So if I have a big image there, and the image has metadata, like a description about it, that I'm trying to memorize, I can hit that button, and it will read the image metadata while I'm presenting or while I'm editing And those are just two features that don't exist in the Keynote application. They could, but they don't. And I find they're really useful to assist me in the process of creating a really comprehensive presentation. One of the advantages of of the fact that you're creating this for you to solve your problems, to solve, you know, the build tools that solve your needs.
0: So like, for instance, the metadata, I assume you're running an Apple script that gets the information and just using the say command to speak it to you?
2: Yeah, it's really just, you know, a couple lines of Apple script, because every image in Keynote has a description field. And if I've written my importing scripts. So when I have automate the import of an image into Keynote, I actually go to the file and read the metadata out of the image file. Because a lot of images have metadata in them. They actually have descriptions about what the image is. They have the author, where it was, the location data, all that. And yeah. I insert that in the description field in the presentation while I'm inserting the photo into the document, and then I can read it back. And I'm like, oh, all right, that's this windmill from this location, not this windmill from that location. I can just use that as a way to guide me. It's tremendous potential here, and it's only limited by what it is you need it to do for you.
0: And if you're an Apple scripter, you can put these together pretty easily. If you're not an Apple scripter, you can go over to macosautomation.com and just download a bunch of the scripts that Sal's written over the years, and you could turn those into buttons. It's pretty trivial.
2: I'm glad you mentioned that because there's a strategy behind the scripting of these that I'll share with your listeners. Uh, AppleScript has this great feature. It's called AppleScript libraries. And an AppleScript library is just an AppleScript script that you put your favorite functions into this script. And then you save that script and you put it in the script libraries folder in your user library folder. So you go to your user library folder, and if there's not a folder called script libraries, then you create one, and you create an AppleScript script file, save it, put it into that library, uh, script libraries folder, and it becomes integrated into the operating system, and any script can call that library and call functions from that library automatically. It's that easy. So then what i do is i keep all my functions in one script so if i need to update them or add to them or edit them or change something it's in one particular file that i can edit save and move between machines if i need to to call that script i use another little short apple script that says tell script name of my script library and then I put in the function, whatever it is I'm calling, like, you know, new default document. And voila, it will execute that function from the script library for you automatically. And those are the scripts that I use to assign to these buttons. Each one of these buttons doesn't have complex scripts behind it. It just has a link to a function in my script library. So I have... A library for each panel. Aha! So when I switch from the Keynote panel to the Photos panel, the buttons on the Photos panel connect to the Photos script library and that way it's really easy to keep uh, a track of everything and update it. It becomes a much simpler process.
0: I had no idea about these AppleScript libraries until I watched your video on this. I don't know how that never landed on my radar, but I've got these folders full of tiny AppleScripts, and that's on my list now. I'm going to start combining them into libraries. It just makes so much more sense this way. If you want to know the difference
2: between macOS, iPadOS, and iOS... Here's the big difference. You can create an AppleScript script library yourself that has all the different functions that you like to use, They talk to applications, that talk to files, that even use AppleScript Objective-C to call into the frameworks if you want. You can save that, put it into the script libraries folder in your user library folder, and it becomes part of the operating system. You can't do that on iOS or iPadOS. You're prevented from expanding the abilities of the operating system. You're not allowed to do that. And the difference between macOS and iOS is exactly that. That's the personification of why you want a Mac and why a Mac is a Mac and why an iPad can't replace a Mac. Because an iPad can't do that.
1: Which is unfortunate, but there are things coming to the iPad which makes this a little more useful.
2: The iPad, I love my iPad. I love working on it, and I love scripting it with Omni Automation and watching it, you know, automate and move and do things. And I think it's really exciting. But there is a difference when you comes to getting under the hood and creating those kind of lower level tools. As somebody that's not an application developer that has to go through a submission process or a notarization process, Mm -hmm. I just wanna be able to create this power tool, put it on my system and have access to it.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's really good that all of this is available to us. And I should just point out as well, uh, we we did talk about sidecar earlier, which is a possibility. Uh, but this works in Mojave as well because I've been I have not upgraded mm-hmm. uh, my Mac yet um, or any of my Macs um, because I'm a little nervous about something's breaking. So and I've been playing with this in Mojave today, and I am very excited to see that it's working because I think I'll have at least one machine running Mojave for at least a few more months.
2: Yeah, the accessibility team did a great job of uh, really creating the whole panel architecture and the editing architecture and really refining that for Mojave as well. I just kind of started looking at this because of the new sidecar feature got me thinking about, you know, well, what about connectivity? And then I realized that, oh, they've got it blocked because they don't want your finger touching the menus. Okay. And maybe look for Luna. And then I found Luna and said, oh my gosh, This is even better than I thought.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, you could theoretically put any of these panes on a second monitor and use your mouse to go and click. But one of the advantages of using something like a Luna display is that you don't have to pick up your mouse, move it off to the the second monitor, find the right button and click. You just tap. And there's something that just it works in my brain at any rate. When I can just reach out and touch it and things happen, it really does feel like I'm doing magic. Um, And, you know, AppleScript is in many ways a little bit of magic uh, sprinkled with some system events here and there.
2: Well, think about uh, what you're presenting here is actually you're creating an entire extension architecture for Keynote. So this would have to be extensions that were put into Keynote, written, signed, notarized to be able to do each one of these little functions They'd have to be added into the application. And then they'd have to figure out some kind of way to expose those to a UI thing. The fact that this is so lightweight yet so powerful is the real distinguishing factor here. And it can be done by you. You mm-hmm. don't have to be a programmer. You don't have to open up Xcode. You don't have to submit something. This is you're creating an accessibility tool that helps you and it's for use on your machine. It's just remarkable that you can do this. And I totally encourage everybody to you know try this out. Even with a simple panel, just follow the instructional video. Try it out and see if it works for you, if there's things you can do and create these tools yourself, because really that's what automation's
0: about, isn't
2: it?
1: Yeah, it's all about diving in and getting your own hands dirty and playing with it.
0: And it's just such a nice compliment because the iPad has this gorgeous screen. And it's just, it's something that you're used to touching, you know. And uh, we, we hear people speculating about a touchscreen Mac, but this gives you the advantage of a touchscreen combined with a Mac. It's it's a very interesting concept. and. Um, there is a learning curve to putting this together, but if you're listening to the show, you can figure it out. And we've got, Sal made a 35-minute video explaining how he did it so you can watch the whole thing. Um, this is not stuff, this is not super difficult. I mean, for the basics of just getting something running where you can jump between apps and add a few buttons for keyboard shortcuts, it's, it's ridiculously simple, you know? I think the hardest part then is just figuring out how you're going to lay out the screen. Mm-hmm. But once you start adding Apple Script, it just adds so much more power, definitely. I mean, if you look
2: at the you, one of the, you know the opening slide I have a picture of a power of a not a power book of a MacBook Pro with the iPad sitting next to it, and you can see what this looks like when looking at it above. But if you look at the the MacBook Pro, you got the touch bar there, and you have this functionality, but it's limited to one row a half a row that you can swipe to get between things when take that same concept of touch barness of executing functions and things through this interface but put that on a larger scale where you have instead of one row of touch bars you have 20 rows of touch bar and you can configure this any way that you want and when you take that concept, you can really see that this is an extension of an idea that Apple has already implemented in, in their hardware and in their software.
0: It's just better and more customizable.
2: <laughs> yeah. I could see, you know, if I if I was at Apple, I would be advocating for each team to uh create their own panel, a default panel, and ship it with their their product, right? So the keynote, uh, the iWork team would have a panel for keynote. They'd have a panel for Pages, a panel for Numbers. There'd be a panel for photos, and you could at least have a default panel to start with for each one of those apps. There's really no reason you couldn't do that, and you would support that with the back end scripting on all of those apps as well.
0: Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, it, you know, and Apple is trying to show the you know the synergy effect of buying multiple devices from them this is a a great example of how that could be done
2: i i love my apple pencil but the way that i want to use it i can't use it on, on their devices i want it to be a text input device i'd like to be able in any text field to be able to do handwriting recognition and use it as my main text input instead of uh, typing. But that's not possible. You have to go to certain apps that are designed to do handwriting recognition. Uh, But it should be system-wide. And then I would be able to use the Apple Pencil. Otherwise, as they currently have Sidecar set up, it's really for annotating and for doing artistic things. And that's nice for a particular audience and a particular segment. But uh, I would like to see them increase that into handwriting recognition where it becomes text input system-wide.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because when when Microsoft first made a tablet computer years ago when they weighed like five pounds and they had fans built into them, <laughs> um, the text input, the stylus text input was there and it was actually pretty robust. You could print or you could handwrite and you could even, they had like extra commands you could tap. It was a, it was a good, solid system for what it was. And Apple has never done that here. There have been third-party apps over the years on the iPad that are keyboard replacement apps that will give you a handwriting keyboard, but none of them have really ever been that great or survived. Yeah, I don't think any of them are really in active development. Currently, every once in a while, I'll go and look and I never can find one that's got like an update that's less than a year old. And um, and this is something really that needs to be built into the operating system.
2: Can't understand the logic behind not implementing it because they have the code for doing that. That's just part of the operating system. And it, I think at one time, they actually shared that code with Microsoft when they made the original agreement and Microsoft invested in Apple, I think they were sharing some of the handwriting code. That was yeah. actually Apple code that they were working on together. So I, I know they have the abilities to do that. Why they haven't exposed it at a system level, I'm not quite sure. I think it would make iPads even more uh, useful than they are already.
0: Do you think it's the the Newton stigma You know, it's like everybody doesn't want to be saying they're making another Newton so badly that they're not going to put handwriting in the iPad. I don't know.
2: Well, if that's the case, you got to get back on the horse, right? You have to have faith in yourself and your engineers that uh, what you have now is so much better and just do it right. And I think Apple has great tools for that. And I think the quality of their handwriting recognition when they implement it on an app level is really good. So why not just turn that on and have that be part of the whole operating system?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it'd be great to be able to pull the Apple Pencil and just write across the bottom of the screen and have the text show up.
2: Hey, the next time you guys have Tim on, you could ask him that question.
0: Yeah. Well, it, we, he was going to be on today, but we cancelled him because you were coming.
1: So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Much more important guest. <laughs> this episode of Automators is brought to you by PDF Pen from our friends at Smile. PDF Pen Eleven is the ultimate tool for editing PDFs on the Mac. It's Mac OS Catalina ready, so you'll still be able to view and edit your PDFs when you take that Catalina plunge. And PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone supports iOS 13 and iPadOS 13. That includes dark mode, multiple windows, and more. You could even use your iPad or iPhone to scan documents directly into PDF Pen on your Mac. It is super slick. And if you're looking for a way to make PDF forms, you need PDF Pen Pro. To learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro, go to smilesoftware.com slash podcast. If you do any work with PDFs, you need PDF Pen go to smilesoftware.com slash podcast and check it out. Our thanks to PDFN for their support of this show and FM. You
0: know, something we haven't really talked about, but, but I am interested in, and I just kind of wanted to point out that you did with this, is all these system events. I think that's really cool and something I wouldn't have thought of myself. But your bottom two rows is all just standard system event stuff that you'd be doing on your Mac. You mean
2: System Preferences, the bottom yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How many times you yeah, go to System Preferences, you want to go to a specific tab in a specific preference? Well, you can do that with scr- AppleScript. The System Preferences app has a very small scripting dictionary where you set the current pane. And you, each pane has an ID that you can get by just asking for what's the ID of the current pane. And you say set the current pane to uh, a pane ID and then the name of it, like com.apple.privacy, right? And yeah. it will automatically switch. And then you have these things called anchors, which represent tabs or specific views. So you can say reveal anchor uh, keyboard of uh, current pane. And it will do that. So you can have one line that goes to the pain that you want, and then one line that reveals the anchor of that pain. So those are all very short script scripts that really save a lot of time. When I want to go to sharing preferences, you don't want to have to open up the app. You just tap it. It brings the app forward, goes right to where you need to be. Or if you want to go to privacy or to start a disk or, you know, displays, but it's just a simple thing.
0: See, and the challenge for a lot of us is just discoverability of that. Like, I, uh, I've i spent a lot of time doing Apple scripts, read your book, went to your course, mm-hmm. but I wasn't aware that you could get to a specific pane. And I knew there was a way to get to system preferences. I didn't know you can get to a specific pane until you just told us.
2: Yeah. And specific tab in a pane.
0: Yeah, I mean we need to definitely get um this information out. Now, now you're going to share some of these scripts um once you get all this put together, right?
2: Yes. I I'd, I'd like to my intention is to share the the at least the keynote library that I'm using here and the scripts that trigger it so you can see how uh this is done. And everybody is welcome to take that and use it and expand it and edit it and do those kind of things. There's a lot more in that library than I've exposed here. Uh, And some of it really does some very powerful things. And some of it's pretty just functional. But I'll try to clean it up and make it organized (laughs) looking so that normal people can read it and say, oh, I didn't know you could do that. But in the... uh, instructional video where I talk about uh, script libraries, I have three different, for example, in my example window, I have three different functions for creating a new keynote presentation. One is create default. The other is create default with certain dimensions. And the other is create a specific template with a certain dimensions. And each one of those can be called with a single line of AppleScript and you pass in, like, if I want a specific template with a certain dimension, I will call this function and say gradient and then 1920 by 1080. And it does all the work of creating the presentation, zooming it up to fill the screen, and setting it ready to edit. And it's just a simple call. So that library has a lot of those kind of things in it that I find quite useful,
0: and and that allows allow to kind of spelunk through your code to come yeah. up with our own ideas.
2: It just shows that you know when you have a technology like AppleScript behind this, how much value having the ability to control applications through scripts brings. You know, and. An, not having a system wide scripting language on iOS has really limited some of the things you, that you can do. And, you know, the fact that Omni has now created this wonderful implementation of core JavaScript and exposed all the object models of their applications and you can control those and script those gives that kind of ability in the same manner that AppleScript does on macOS. But it's really important that when apple's thinking about the future and thinking about how they're going to present applications on their platforms to provide that level of functionality through scripting because these are the kind of things that you can do through scriptability that you can't do through xcode and app making it's not possible to create this through an app yeah. this only is possible through scripting and it's an- Imperative that Apple keep uh, supporting scripting technologies on their platforms and to expose the application's abilities in a fine grained detail so that people can do what they want to do with those apps.
0: Because I used to do a lot of coding as a kid, and I was sometimes I get the bug and I'll, you know, build a tip calculator in Xcode just to prove to myself I can still do it. But for me the power of time spent learning this stuff is not making an app you know i was just i just saw ken case recently from the omni group and i said every time i think i might want to spend a little bit more time getting better at xcode i just read your release notes and these are the best programmers in the business i mean the people at omni and i read all the bugs they have to fix with every new release and i'm thinking the best in the business still struggle with this stuff But where is my bang for my buck? For me, it's taking all the hard work of people at Omni and all the other app developers and combining it to make it work better and faster for me, whether it's two apps talking to each other or like Sal did with these Apple scripts, pulling more features out of Keynote than actually are built into it. And that's something anybody can do with a little bit of investment of time.
1: Definitely. And this actually uh, brings to mind something that I was experimenting with today. I have a fairly large library of keyboard maestro macros and i didn't have time when i was playing with this um, today to to really convert all of those to apple scripts some of them probably should be apple scripts most of them can be apple scripts but what i did is i used apple script to run my keyboard maestro macros because that's three lines of apple script and i then didn't actually have to write Any AppleScript, because I already had these in my keyboard maestro macros. And this also lets me do some things with some apps which maybe don't have AppleScript support, because I have to click at images and things like that. And I can use all of these features from this accessibility pane on my iPad now through keyboard maestro and it's actually really good. And for anybody interested, I'll try and make sure the link is in the show notes of how to run a keyboard maestro macro through Apple Script. There are there are two ways of doing it. You can either call it with the name or call it with the ID of the of the macro. Um, But it's very simple to do. And so if you've already got stuff in Keyboard Maestro, hmm, that that's something that you can do. And I know a lot of people have been playing with things like a Stream Deck recently, but this if you already have an iPad, it's a free alternative. So it's definitely worth giving it a try.
0: Yeah, if you're going to set this up, you can not only run Apple scripts, you can run keyboard maestro scripts off a button on your iPad yeah. th- that drives on your Mac. I mean, it's, it's great. And the the nice thing about that is you get the contextual sensitivity. So you can say, when I open pages, give me all my keyboard maestro pages scripts or my text writing scripts. And then suddenly your iPad reformats itself to give you those buttons. Whereas when you go over to numbers, you get a different set of buttons.
1: David, I need a podcasting panel. Uh, do you think we can make that happen?
0: <laughs> that, you know, that's, a, that's actually not a bad idea. I because, mean, because you could...
1: Yeah, we we, are, we have all these things that we're doing while we're podcasting, you know, like add this link to the show notes or, you know, make it make a note of this edit point. This is all stuff that could be done by AppleScript because I think Audio Hijack has uh, AppleScript support and a lot of the other apps that we do have at the very least APIs that we could connect to. Mwahaha.
0: Yeah, we need we need something that can grab a timestamp out of our various recording apps and drop it in with a button. I am I'm, I'm thinking about it. It's mm. all
2: unfolding as I have foreseen. <laughs> yes.
1: Grand puppet <laughs> well, I mean, master of automation. I approve.
0: But but you know everybody <laughs> listening to this has an app. I mean maybe they don't make a podcast, but they spend a bunch of time in spreadsheets or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and they have things they do in the app that they do every day that are certainly subject to automation. And you set something up like this and you're good to go. I mean, it does take a little while to get set. I think the learning curve is a little steep the first time you make it. But if you download the samples, Sal's already done the hard work. You just start duplicating his sample and customizing it to your own fit. And then it's just a question of literally drawing a button and attaching a script or a command, like a keyboard. A keyboard command is a great example. You create a new button, and then you can label the button or make it an icon, and then you tap the button to, uh, to add an action to it and say, type a keyboard command, and then command P. You know Now you've added a print button to whatever you're working on. So it's just not that hard to do this.
2: You know, David, that's a great, great use case if you just think about organizing your keyboard shortcuts, right? How many keyboard shortcuts do you have in a program like Logic or in Photoshop or InDesign, right, where you can have all of those? If all of a sudden, instead of having to remember the keyboard shortcut, it became a single button on the iPad, just using that one feature alone of being able to uh, simulate keystrokes and have that be the action for the button you create on your panel, you can have all of the special shortcuts available in a visual format on your iPad so that you never have to actually remember what is the keyboard shortcut. Is it shift option, command two, blah, blah. You don't worry about it. You just Take, spend some time and you can build up your own library of keyboard shortcut representations.
0: Yeah. Or an even more basic is just an app launcher. You know, you create yeah. buttons for your apps and then you can always go get the icons. Um, a Ways to get the icons, you can go on a Google Images search. They're almost all there. Or you can just go into the applications, right click on it and, and pull it out. Or in fact, I wrote, one of the first Apple scripts I ever wrote years ago in your class was an Apple script to pull the uh, the application icon out of the resources file. Yeah. There's so many ways to do this stuff.
1: So what you're telling me, David, is that you can script creating these buttons with scripts.
0: Yeah, I guess I'd have to sit and think about it for a minute, but I think you could.
1: <laughs> there we go. I, I think we've we've reached peak automation here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as a side note, automators, I don't recommend trying that one particular one at home unless you're feeling very adventurous. and when you've completed it, please share it in the forums because I'd really like that. Uh-
0: <laughs> but be, be careful. <laughs> at, at one point, the humans become irrelevant and we're all screwed.
1: <laughs> yes, so automate with caution. but I think there's a lot of ideas that we can uh, we can use here.
2: That was my goal is just to get people thinking about automation and thinking about ways to make their work easier. And start using automation. Right.
1: Exactly.
0: This episode of The Automators is brought to you by FreshBooks, online invoicing made easy. Go to freshbooks.com slash automators to get started. If you're doing work for other people and you want to make getting paid easier, there's a simple solution. Just go to freshbooks.com slash automators. FreshBooks simplifies tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online. FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. So I became a FreshBooks subscriber a few years ago because I was not getting my invoices out on time. I was trying to do this goofy thing with pages and a number spreadsheet, and I just wasn't keeping track. Switching to FreshBooks saved me money because people are now paying me on time and I don't have to worry about it. With FreshBooks, when you send an invoice... They can show you whether the client has seen it or not, which puts it into that guessing game as to whether or not they've even opened it. Also, FreshBooks automates late payment email reminders so you can spend less time chasing payments and more time getting your work done. Now, if you're listening to this and not using FreshBooks yet, it's the time to try. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial to listeners of this show. There's no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com automators and start getting paid. Once again, that's freshbook.com automators and enter automators in the how did you hear about a section. We thank FreshBooks for the support of the automators and all of FM. Well, Sal, you're not just figuring out how to turn our iPads into automation devices. I know that you've been working with the folks over at the Omni Group on coming up with automation for iOS in ways that's never been done before. And since we've got you here, I was wondering if you could kind of bring us up to speed on what's happening.
2: It's really an exciting time uh, over at Omni. All of the core apps that they uh, use, uh, OmniGraffle, OmniOutliner, OmniPlan, and OmniFocus now are scriptable. OmniFocus is still in developmental final, final developmental stages at this point, but the basic library of scriptability and functionality has been put in place, and it's quite remarkable that I can write a short JavaScript to automate something in OmniFocus and that that script works the same on my phone, on my iPad, and on my Mac. That's quite impressive, the work that that team has done, and it's really exciting and I think it presents a vision for the future that is really comprehensive and all again about serving the customers' needs of actually creating thing tools that for you that do what you want to do. I know that Rose has been really active uh, working on on testing and developing. Uh, scripting and OmniFocus especially. What do you think about that, Rose?
1: Well, I've been very excited because, of course, the first thing that you have to do is you have to think, what do I actually want to do with this? Because, of course, there's a bunch of Apple scripts out there to control things like OmniFocus and OmniOutline and OmniGraffle and even OmniFlan, which I, I unfortunately don't get to use a lot. Um, and so you can start just by converting those. But once you sit and think about it, you can actually do so much more with all of these things just because... You're looking at it from a different perspective, and that's for me very inspiring. Because I'm looking through the documentation and I go, ooh, well, what does this do?" And then I, I go down a rabbit hole and emerge six hours later covered in JavaScript and semicolons, wondering why I didn't actually get anything done in OmniFocus. But I feel really good about myself. Um, so <laughs> 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 it's possibly a life lesson to be learned there of maybe not getting quite so deep into these things that you lose four hours of your day, but you know, it's it's really intriguing to see all of the options. And I'm seeing a lot of people, there's a, a Omni group have a Slack and they have an automation channel in there. And I'm seeing a lot of people doing some really interesting things with Omni automation as well, which is really nice.
0: Yeah, well, it solves a problem really, because you were talking earlier about AppleScript and how useful it can make the Mac, but you don't have AppleScript on iOS. So this this solution you guys came up with gives you, Something that we thought we'd never have on the Mac, an actual scripting language. And it's based on core JavaScript uh, from WebKit. So it's
2: on all Apple devices and it's really optimized and fast. And, you know, JavaScript is, is so documented and it's so widely used that anybody can get up to speed fairly quickly on the basics of writing JavaScript. It's not as expressive as language as AppleScript is, but it is quite approachable and is well documented and easy to do. Uh, I've been doing a lot of traveling this year and one of the things I have to do every time I get ready to leave is, you know, I have to pack and I have to create a list of, okay, wh- what do I need for this? Uh, how many socks do I need for this? How many pairs of pants? Okay, uh, how many days is this? And then I have to create a checklist and then go through and make sure that I got everything, right? One of the first automations I wrote using Omni Automation was for OmniFocus and it was create a packing list. So it would create a new project that had uh, individual actions that were each item that I needed to pack. And then I implemented some of their uh, UI controls. So using Omni Automation, you can present uh, interfaces to the user like check boxes or text input fields or pop-up buttons and have the user enter some information. So I would have a little sheet come down that says, when's the start date, when's the return date? And then it would present uh, another interface uh, that showed you exactly uh, how many pairs of socks I needed to pack and give me, okay, did you get your toothbrush? Did you get everything else? And it would create an OmniFocus task or project that had my entire packing list, and since I started using that, I haven't forgotten anything. I've been, for every trip I've been on, I haven't forgotten my toothpaste yet, and it's been great. But there's an example of how you can use this technology in a really important way that that makes your life easier, and the the Omni Automation. Uh, action plugin that I, I used, I put up on the Omni Automation website so other people can download and use. And you can install it on your device too. So you can have this on your iPhone or your iPad or your Mac if you want to use it on any one of those three. And it really proves the point that having scripting ubiquitous across all the different Apple platforms is really something that is worthwhile and it's a goal that that companies and apple should should follow and should try to make a reality
0: well it's it's nice because like you said it works on all platforms it's not just iOS and to me i feel like the omni focus stuff is is where it really pays off for me personally i mean with omnigraphle you can do a lot um, Omni Outliner, you've already done some great sample projects, but for task management, this is something that certainly needs automation.
1: So, I've been playing a lot more with scripts with Omni Outliner recently because I recently started uh, producing some videos for Screencast Online, which I'm really enjoying. And of course, me being an automator, I've automated as much of the process as I can so I can focus on the actual video production rather than the minutiae of create a project in OmniFocus, et cetera, et cetera have to confess, I'm still creating the OmniFocus project with uh, shortcuts, just because that's how I roll. Um, And I get a notification through um, Zapier with PushCut, both of which have previously been sponsors of the show, full disclosure. Um, And then that runs a shortcut, and that adds the the tasks to my OmniFocus project and creates the project for me. Of course, I can change this. I probably will change this, actually, to be an OmniFocus script uh in the future, but for the time being, what I am doing with Omni Outliner is uh I import um my initial idea dump from uh my node into Omni Outliner. And I go through and I always have a couple of different columns in there. I've got uh so uh basically a recording script. It's not a script that I will read word for word, but it's specific things that I want to make sure that I say while I'm recording that section. And then I have a recorded column. Um, And I also add a couple of uh, entries at the top for my intro and a couple of entries at the bottom for the outro. And I was doing this for the second time on a video and went, hang on a minute, I'm gonna be doing this for every single video I do. I'm gonna add the same columns, I'm gonna add the same lines at the top, I'm gonna add the same lines at the bottom. And the script for the intro and the outro are very, very similar every time. So I should probably put this all in a script. And I've done that with Omni Outliner. And it really wasn't that hard to do because I started with um uh, just a simple uh adding the the actual columns and then I I add some uh, some actual uh lines, some rows as they're called in Omni Outliner at the top and at the bottom and then I fill the contents of those rows and the different columns for those rows, which is why I create the columns first. And that's it. in um, it sounds possibly very complicated, but it's once you get the hang of it, it's not. It's very useful.
2: Absolutely. The more you dig into Omni Automation, it's it's so rich because each one of those applications is, first of all, the type of application that it just Becomes indispensable. They do so much, and their scripting I- interface through Omni Automation is so rich. Like you said, Rose, you can get in and find yourself just exploring the scripting API, and you go, "Oh, what, what would happen if I did that with this?" And then, "Oh, what would happen if I did that with this?" And the next thing you know, you spend a couple hours creating little tools for yourself, and it's a lot of fun to explore. Omni um, automation. It's not a really a task. It's, it's more uh, of a uh, exploration and a challenge and just having fun. Plus the community, the automation community for Omni automation, I find is really helpful and expressive. And they come up with some great ideas and everybody's always willing to share what they have. And I'm always amazed at some of the integration that they've been able to do with other applications like drafts. Right. And it's just remarkable the tools that they've created using JavaScript where they're communicating between all of these different applications and the Omni apps too as well. It's just remarkable.
1: It is. It really is. And I mean, I, I've, so you talked about your packing list earlier. I've created um, a whole action group for doing my packing lists and drafts, um, which I've been working on enhancing a little bit today as well, um, because that's, that's what I do in my spare time, apparently. Um, But the the other thing with all of the Omni automation stuff is they're using JavaScript. Well, Drafts also uses JavaScript, and Scriptable uses JavaScript. So if you start learning JavaScript for automation purposes, then suddenly, instead of being able to automate just Drafts, you can also use Scriptable. You can use four Omni group apps and whatever other apps are, that are out there that can use JavaScript as well, because it's it's very similar. You it, Like AppleScript, you need to read a library. But you can, you can get kind of crazy with this stuff, and I, I'm enjoying possibly going a little too crazy, but uh, it's good fun.
0: Well, I think the thing is, it's early days, too. I mean, this was an idea that you guys had, what, about a year or two ago, and now it's starting to show up in the applications and something people can start using. So um, there is a lot to be explored out there. But as we start to figure it out, you're going to see obvious uses, I think, come out of these applications. And I'm, I'm just so glad that, that the Omni group got to OmniFocus because that's the app I spend the most time in of all their mm-hmm. applications. And, and I'm definitely going to be putting some of this JavaScript to use uh, as I kind of try and automate that further.
2: Me too. Now I will put a plug in for uh, Omni-automation.com. My website where I have a lot of examples uh, in detail about each one of the Omni applications, even the OmniFocus application. And a lot of the examples are clickable and installable. And in addition, I have a page that's called the Omni Automation Template Generators. And each app has its own page where you can just basically fill in some metadata pick the type of action uh, input that you're going to have, like all selected tasks, for example. And it will create the action template for you that you can customize and fill in with your own code and install. So there's a lot of tools out there for Omni Automation, and I encourage you to go visit that site.
1: I I definitely recommend it too.
0: It's in the show notes already, so you're going to be able to go and check that out from the show notes. Sal, so one question I had for you recently, because it used to historically was Mac OS X automation, Mac OS 10 automation.com. Now I believe mm-hmm. it's just Mac OS automation.com.
2: Yeah, they're an alias. So you can okay. use either one of them. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I said that re- on a recent show. Then when we finished, I'm like, I hope I send people to the right place. Well, either one of those you can go. Um, and we'll include links to the entire salsa going in family of automation websites because yeah. uh, there, there's a whole group of websites you've got out there helping people get better at this stuff. Um, we've got links to this awesome iPad-based automation keyboard for your Mac, and there's going to be videos mm-hmm. and downloadable stuff in there. So if you were at all interested in this, I recommend you spend some time trying it. If you don't have the um, uh the luna display you can do it with the uh sidecar it's just you got to use an apple pencil it's not really as nice to be honest with you but if you just want to give it a try to see if it'll work you can you can do it without a luna display but i suspect you're going to want to get a luna display if you if you want to bring this into your daily workflow but uh we're going to have lots of websites in this one thank you so much sal i I still love the crazy ideas you come up with and the way you make them work. Um, You are such a resource for our community, and, and thank you for everything you do.
2: It's wonderful being part of the automation family, and I admire you guys so much for the work that you're doing to spreading the message. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you as David said, for coming on because I saw you playing with this uh, back in August uh, when we visited you and I was just there going... Do we make this part of a multi-part show or do we just give it a whole show? Uh, and I, we were right. It needed a whole show because this is, this is excellent. And I would encourage people, even if you think, oh, scripting, no. Remember, you can trigger a, a Keyboard Maestro Scripts uh, with just three lines of Apple Script and you can copy and paste so much from all the websites out there uh, that you don't need to know how to script by yourself. You can just put it all together and it works.
0: I just had an idea. You just you just have a button, you add a button called affirmation. And anytime you press it, it says you just it's a single script apple script say and then you put in the quote. Hi David, you're doing fine. Just keep just keep at it, buddy.
2: <laughs> you're good enough, you're smart enough, <laughs> and
0: gosh darn people like you. Yes, there you go. <laughs> uh, but this is the kind of fun you can have. Download this uh, this amazing, clever bit of programming by our friend Sal, and uh, and let us know what you're doing with it on the forums. You know, We'd, we'd love to share it. Why, why can't the automators start sharing panels between each other? I'm sure we can have some really great ideas uh, come out of that. Um, and Sal, we're going to put links to all your websites. That's where people go if they want to see what you're up to, right? Is there anywhere else we should point people?
2: Well, uh, like Rose mentioned, I'm spending a lot of time on the Omni uh, Slack channel and uh, the Omni boards, and I I just love working with Omni automation stuff. So you can find me there more than anywhere else right now.
0: All right. Well, we are The Automators. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. This is show 36. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, and that is our friends over at Smile Fresh Books and Bottomless. And we will see you all in two weeks.
1: Goodbye, everybody.